Klausi-Eisen, And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarthy. With no sport to watch on television and most of the population being forced to spend more and more time indoors, Kieran and I have decided to rank our top three sports movies of all time and I'm just going to reveal a bit of the magic behind making these podcasts before we start basically me and Kieran have a conversation back and forth for most of the week deciding what we're going to do what we're going to cover and when we decided we were going to do a sports movie special we had a conversation about whether or not we would include sports documentaries or just standard sports movies I argued that we should probably do a sports doc list as a separate entity and Kieran agreed but then 10 minutes ago just before we started to record he sent me his three picks one of which was a sports documentary now we won't reveal it just yet we'll get there in good time but Kieran why or oh why you 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 may be the sports editor so you I suppose dictate what happens but I am the podcast editor so I dictate what stays in and what stays out so I might decide to just chop the whole section of you talking about the sports documentary that you selected <coughs> well technically Jack uh a film or a documentary that's released in the cinema. It, it's a film, it's not a documentary that you'd find it on the Discovery Channel. So I think my choice is quite brilliant and quite apt. So That is um, literally think, the worst defence I've ever heard. A film that is in the cinema qualifies as a film because it's in the cinema. If that's the case, there's a, a film by the director of the movie you've chosen, which also appeared in cinemas last year, which I would argue is the better of his two sports documentaries. So we might get to that a little later on but uh, yeah you've ruined the whole concept of the podcast but we'll plow on and uh, as we go through these films we might throw a few more in just to give some people recommendations as they're going to be sitting at home for the next few months years decades who really knows so uh, hopefully some of these films will help fill your time and Kieran, i'm going to start with you first basically we're going to do our top three each so and i suppose <coughs> i should clarify these are not by any stretch the greatest films of all time these are our three personal favourites each because there's a few glaring omissions from my list that are clearly better movies but in terms of my, me, me personally these are my three so Kieran, we'll start with you what's number three on Kieran McCarthy's list of top sports movies have to go have to go with Rocky 4 can it does it get any better than Rocky 4 Jack what a movie um we all know that this was the Rocky films. It's the, the classic underdog story. If you go back to the first Rocky film, which is a classic in itself, but it's Ivan Drago. It's the whole it's the whole story of Rocky IV, um, Apollo Creed dying in the ring at the start, and then, then, then Rocky comes out of retirement to get revenge for, for his friend and for the nation, goes deep into the Soviet Union, and he takes on Drago on his own on his own ground in his own backyard um, it's brilliant from start to finish um, like Sylvester Stallone is he's a legendary actor his acting skills might be the greatest but he's he's rocky like um, no it has to be in any when you're you having discussions about the top sports movies of all time Rocky has to be in there and you can pick between the different ones the first Rocky is brilliant um, Rocky 2 and 3 are okay but it comes back to life in Rocky 4 like, and the soundtrack Jack 
is immense as well so has, ticks all the boxes for me well it won't come as a major surprise to you Kieran, that I'm also a massive fan of the Rocky series Rocky 4 I wouldn't put it down as my favourite but it's definitely in the top in the top three Rocky films and just one quote that sticks out to me you mentioned the Soviet Union but I just love at the end when uh, when the fight's completed and Rocky gets the microphone if I can change and you can change everybody can change and Rocky single-handedly ends the Cold War <laughs> with that one line. He he takes down the Russian boxer Ivan Drago and then ends the Cold War. That is the power of Rocky. So yeah, no arguments with your number three, Karen. But even that quote there, Jack, that quote transcends the sport of boxing. It transcends sport. You can apply that quote, that quote to everyday life. Um, it's just a magnificent film. Like it's. I was checking there, it was 1985 that I was out, so it's what? It's 35 years old. But you'd still watch it now, and you'd still, you'd be rooting for Rocky. And even, do you remember that there's a training sequence when he lands over in the Soviet Union, and there's the kind of contrast between Rocky's there in the kind of, in the remote snow, and he's training away mad, and Drago's in the gym, and like, he's like this biotic man, kind of sculpted by these chemists and scientists. And then Rocky's trying to evade the cops and stuff. It's just brilliant. And like I said again, that soundtrack is absolutely superb. Um, a little secret, when I'm working on my own late at night in the Southern Star office, um, I'd have this, the Rocky soundtrack on YouTube. So if anyone ever passed my window and if they see me kind of air punching, you know, that that's why, because I'm listening to the Rocky soundtrack while I'm working on the sports section. So that's an insight into my, my existence, Jack. But I just have to say, I do really love the cheesiness of that as an 80s movie where Sylvester Sloan or whoever wrote that one I don't know if he was still writing the franchise at that stage but <laughs> they thought themselves in Hollywood had the power to end the Cold War with <laughs> a line as cheesy <laughs> as that so uh, self-importance right. as always from the Hollywood elite but yeah great movie Rocky IV Kieran's number three I suppose I'll give you my number three now Kieran, if, if, if that's okay yeah. or, or do you want to go through your top three first? No, shoot away, shoot away, Jack. Okay, well, my number three on my list is the classic comedy White Men Can't Jump from 1992 starring Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. And full disclosure, as we spoke about earlier in this week that we were going to do this podcast, I took it upon myself to actually watch White Men Can't Jump on television on Thursday evening or Wednesday evening perhaps it was on Sky Store for three ninety nine. I couldn't resist and I was delighted I watched it because for anyone who hasn't seen it White Men Can't Jump basically as I said stars Woody Harrelson and Wesley Stipes as two street basketball players and scam artists in Venice Beach and it's hilarious it's edgy it kind of tells the tale of black and white in California in that era and um the reason I got a particular fondness for this movie was because having watched it, it just creates an image of Venice Beach and that area of California mm -hmm. as something really gorgeous and somewhere you really want to visit. And I was actually lucky enough to go to Venice Beach one day. And of course, the first thing I did was went to check out the basketball courts and just see what the crack was. Obviously, I wasn't going to take on Sydney, but there was people playing. It felt very much like I was on the set of White Men Can't Jump. And... Uh, yeah, geez, I, I just, I, I love it. And 
some of the quotes are ones that I use in daily life. Like um, one particular is when Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson's girlfriend in the movie, whose name is Gloria, the actress's name escapes me at the minute, but they're driving in the car after pulling off their first big scam and they're after making whatever, 60 bucks or 70 bucks. And Woody Harrelson's character puts a Jimi Hendrix tape in in the car stereo. And Sydney, Wesley Snipes' character, makes out, he says, That's what the fucking problem is. Y'all listen. Well, what am I supposed to do, eat it? <laughs> no, 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 you're supposed to hear it. Hey, I just said I like to listen to it, man. No, 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 there's a difference between hearing and listening. See, white people, y'all can't hear, Jimmy. You, 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 you listen. Woody Harrelson being a white character, Wesley Snipes claims you have to be black to actually be able to hear Jimi Hendrix. And this comes back around later in the film. But it ain't gonna happen because you ain't good enough. Oh, is that another brother thing, huh? No, we fucking racist. No, there's certain things you can do and there's certain things you can't. I can hear Jimmy. No, no, no. I can hear Jimmy. No, yes, I can. You can't hear Jimmy. And he's just trying to prove a point that white men can also enjoy black music. So now when someone dislikes something that I like I will often say and I might say it to you later on when you disagree with some of my films I'll claim that they can't actually hear what I hear or they can't see what I see so yeah White Man Can't Jump and I know you like that movie as well Kieran. Ah, oh, it's a brilliant film absolutely brilliant and there's something about it Jack we both started off with kind of 80s 90s films you know it's that, that nostalgia and those movies at the time even like this doesn't make my list but Karate Kid for a second like Daniel LaRusso back in the 80s that's a brilliant movie it, it never appears in the, the top 20 sports movies of all time those lists but there's something about watching those movies and it brings you back to an entirely different era a different era like Daniel LaRusso Mr. Miyagi The Gym oh, that's just classic stuff but White Men Can't Jump is superb um, so Wesley Snipes is one of those actors he's always kind of I suppose he divides opinion doesn't he he really does but he was brilliant in that and Woody Harrelson was, was just class um, and it, it's actually kind of that's a basketball movie and, and number two on my list is a basketball movie Jack so um, let, let, me, let, me for... come, let me come to you just in one second I just wanted to make one more point about White Men Can't Jump before we move on to our number two selections because it's something I just realised watching it for the umpteenth time on Thursday evening but it was uh almost enlightening moment when, when I seen it basically I never realised it before but with a different soundtrack this movie would have been a sad movie about an out of control degenerate gambler because Woody Harrelson's character keeps winning a big score and then losing it again but then they'll play some snappy James Brown ditty and it's all happy again whereas in reality if someone kept gambling their money away he eventually loses his girlfriend he's got gangsters chasing after him he just can't give up the gambling so with a, a different score if that film was made now with like sadder music I think it could be a very appropriate considering the, the gambling problems so much of the nation has but anyway that's White Men Can't Jump and Kieran you are going to bring us on to another basketball movie as you mentioned yeah he got game the late 90s Jack that was an incredible movie um, it's just uh, with Denzel Washington and it was Denzel Washington at his very best I'd say from the start I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan um, he's one of the greatest actors there ever was he's superb and he's brilliant in this too I suppose it's a story about um, Denzel Washington to borrow a phrase I, I saw he's a fucked up father Jack um, he's, he's an, in, an inmate in prison and I suppose his son is the number one high school pick and the, his son Jesus Shuttlecock is kind of or Shuttlewood sorry is deciding whether to um, 
to go kind of the cottage life or the pro life and he's getting tempted left right and center with all these different offers and promises of riches and so on so that the the prison warden lets Denzel's character out of prison to go and try and influence his son to play for the warden's alma mater so it's it's just a really good really good movie um everything about it um Spike Lee directed it which alone is just says says buckets about it um really really enjoyed it it's just it's a great story because you obviously have the sporting element and the basketball element and it kind of exposes I suppose a bit of truth and reality about the professional world as well of sports what goes on in the background but you also have the kind of the human side to it too and even the relationship between Denzel and, and his son in, 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 in the movie and stuff because um, obviously when Denzel uh, when he was to prison years and years ago that himself and son don't have that relationship so he's just trying to mend that and his son is so Jesus uh, is so kind of um, I suppose he's slow at the start to kind of take his father back into his life so there's so much going on in that movie it's just brilliant brilliant viewing and even now 20 years on since it was released it's still just as good Jack those scenes of them on the court taking each other on when when Denzel is back with him kind of when he's released from the prison and they're back on the court kind of doing what they were doing when 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 Jesus was a kid when you compare it to the this was to the boxing scene in in Rocky Four when Rocky and uh, Ivan Drago are knocking lumps out of each other. It wouldn't be the most realistic sporting kind of scenes, to be honest, that we've ever seen. But the basketball kind of the basketball scenes in He Got Game are quite brilliant as well. So, like I said, it just ticks every box. And basketball films, more often than not, can be really, really good. Like Coach Carter doesn't make it here, but I'm a big fan of that movie as well. Um, really, really good film. I know you love Space Jam, but we're not even going to go there, Jack. Kind of, that's your own. I'm pretty sure that was, kind of taste, uh, so that was the one that you wanted put forward. But I will admit, I absolutely loved Space Jam when I was a child, and I look forward to seeing the the remake that's due out next year with LeBron James in the Michael Jordan role. So uh, I'll be waiting for that with bated breath as well. Uh, so next up, number two. Well, there's going to be a bit of uh, re- repeating ourselves here because, but I'm also going to break the rules because you did as well. I was going to pick one film from the Rocky franchise, but I think I'm just going to put the Rocky franchise as a whole in my number oh. two slot. I'll pick. I'll pick. That's my... cheating. That's <laughs> cheating. You cheated already, so I'm going to do a bit of cheating back. But no, um, like uh, as 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 you well know, I'm a, a huge fan of boxing and boxing movies in particular. And when it comes to boxing movies, Joe, there's so many to choose from. I feel bad leaving Raging Bull out because that's the ultimate in terms of brilliant filmmaking, brilliant performance by Robert De Niro brilliant direction for Martin Scorsese but it was kind of much before my time so I watched it later in life so or 30 years after it had come out so I probably wasn't it wasn't a I wasn't a target market would say and there's a similar thing with Rocky as well in that although I grew up watching all the Rocky films I wasn't kind of of age when they first when they were first hit the screen so I was a bit I don't know what the word is withdrawn from the 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 fandom around it but that all changed in 2018 I think when my favourite Rocky movie from the franchise came out and that was the the spin-off entitled Creed starring Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed son of obviously the great Apollo Creed who was killed by Ivan Drago in Rocky IV the film that you mentioned so yeah Creed I have to say is my favourite of the Rocky franchise and just to give people a taste of what Creed's all about it's as I said a follow up it stars Michael B. Jordan of Black Panther fame as Apollo Creed's son 
and he comes he joins the pro ranks under the tutelage of the great Rocky Balboa and like most of the Rocky films there's montages there's great music and what I liked about this movie in particular was the music was of a modern vintage with like Kendrick Lamar Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick Lamar the California rapper providing most of the soundtrack and the, the nemesis in the Creed movie is Pretty Ricky Conlon and it's played by the bomber Bellew Tony Bellew the cruiserweight, former cruiserweight world champion uh-huh. from Liverpool and for his first acting role he does a stellar job there's, there, there's since been a sequel to Creed Creed 2 also starring Michael B. Jordan and he plays opposite a character who is Ivan Drago's son so to to further keep the franchise going it's not really as good like most of the Rocky films they're not going to be as good as the first one but I wait with bated breath for Creed 3 Creed 4 Creed 5 Creed 6 Creed 7 and interesting thing about Creed 1 just to go back on the point that we spoke about earlier Creed 1 is directed by Ryan Kogler who I've just read earlier on when we were reading up for this podcast Ryan Kogler is attached to the Space Jam remake so <laughs> next year when we're doing this podcast if coronavirus is still going on Ryan Kogler's name could be in here for Creed and for Space Jam too. so yeah number two I'm going to say the Rocky series overall but specifically the 2015 I said 2018 sorry the 2015 released Creed no, good call again. Good show, Jack. And I suppose, like, like I suppose, the kind of the, the basis of, of this podcast here is that because of what's going on in, and I suppose, across the world, that people might have time now to watch sport movies. They're going to dip in and out because um, there is so many great sports movies out there. And before we get to our number ones, a lot of super films haven't even made this list. You know, even recent ones like The Fighter and um, The Warrior spring to mind. Um, I was even thinking Cool Runnings is a brilliant film now just for, for people to take their minds off what is going on out there, like uh, that you're making bobsleigh team, you know, I feel pride, I feel power, you know, this is such a brilliant movie, and um, John Candy and all in that. Sometimes it, th- these movies just allow us just to escape a bit from reality for a couple of hours because, you know yourself, Jack, it's wall-to-wall coverage of the coronavirus at the moment, whether it's the news or on social media or you're talking to your family or you're talking to someone at work um, it's 24-7 COVID-19 so by this podcast I, I hope will just kind of give people a chance to dip into something for a couple of, bo- couple of hours get away from reality and just enjoy really good movies yeah well a few more honourable mentions then that I want to throw in before we throw to our number ones just uh, one in particular Goon starring Sean William Scott which is like a he's an enforcer on a Low, lower level ice hockey team which is absolutely hilarious I don't know if you've seen that one but Sean William Scott of Stifler frame from the American Pie series so that's that's a great one Moneyball the Brad Pitt baseball movie starring Jonah Hill which came out Brilliant. in uh, 2011 I think another that makes analytics interesting that movie and the way sabermetrics have changed sport in general obviously that one focuses on baseball but there's a, a little nugget in it at the end where you see John Henry the owner of the Boston Red Sox trying to sign Billy Bean as his new general manager to bring the sabermetrics model to Boston and John Henry obviously went on to purchase Liverpool Football Club which then adapted their strategies in terms of transfer dealings to fall more in line with the way they did it in baseball so that's just an interesting insight into how sport has changed so much in the way players are signed managers are signed the business of sport essentially and then I'll just rattle off a few more that I, I, I love 
Talladega Nights about NASCAR in America Dodgeball they're just two laugh out loud comedies the Mighty Ducks trilogy which was obviously a brilliant oh, one growing yeah. up and uh, then just some more some more classic in the in the genre of like uh, Raging Bull and classic cinema I'd say like The Colour of Money with Paul Newman and Tom Cruise which is a, a gambling mm-hmm. slash pool hustling movie so oh, a hustling movie not unlike He Got Game and then The Big Lebowski the Coen Brothers directed cult classic not really a, a sports movie as such but there is a lot of bowling in the movie because they're kind of uh, stoners who hang out at the bowling alley and bowling plays a big part in the movie so yeah they're, they're, they're my honourable mentions before we get to number one do you have any more before you and want to just, yeah just two more I suppose for the football fans out there who are kind of they're in um, I suppose they're they're reeling from a lack of football The Damned United is a brilliant movie really brilliant movie and obviously Brian Clough and his time at Leeds United superb for them really enjoyed that and just one a bit more lighthearted again Dave Bassett England manager um, Mike Bassett no. classic. Huh? Mike Bassett oh Mike Bassett sorry I'm thinking Dave Bassett the former Southampton goalkeeper yeah. isn't it that Dave Bassett sorry Mike Bassett um, that, that, that's a great movie as well um, great character Ricky Tomlinson um, when we're watching again digging out kind of I was trying to think of even just those what it's uh, Mean Streets do you obviously know those sort of films Mean Street they're, they're, not, they're not too bad um, Green Street are you thinking of? No, there's a Mean Street too with Vinnie Jones <laughs> oh, I can't say I've seen that one no not the one when he's a, there's a but just on the Mike Bassett English manager there's a classic one in that about um, so he writes the name of the England squad on the back of a fag packet so two lower league players one named Benson and one named Hedges make the World Cup squad <laughs> Ron Benson and Tony Hedges. Bollocks. Yeah. I said there'd be a few surprises. They're third division players. One of them's 46. I know, but I've always said if you're old enough, you're, you're good enough. Who else are you looking at, Mike? Lambert and Butler? Because <laughs> when I think about his speeches and everything, that film, it's, uh, it's hilarious. So, oh, it's uh, classic. Will we go for our number ones? Perfect, yeah. I'd, um, I'd go first and... I think this number one is probably it will better your number one. I'm quite confident of that. It's obviously it's the 2010 film Senna. It's the it's a documentary about Ayrton Senna, so the the greatest Formula One driver of all time. Who so he died when he was only 34. He had um, obviously a fatal crash at the San Marino Grand Prix. Um, this is quite a brilliant film, Jack, because it just tells his story from the very start when he entered Formula 1 to right right to the end and it just takes us through his, his life in Formula 1 through footage, like it's brilliantly edited that's what stands out in this there's uh, there's so much unseen footage of Ayrton Senna and he's one of the greatest sporting competitors of all time um, he's, um, like I said he's the greatest Formula 1 driver I think of all time, I've read books about him especially he's he's um, he's his rivalry with, with Alain Prost is the stuff of legend. Um, but it takes us through, like I was saying, from when Senna first came on board in the Formula 1, he stints with Tolman and Lotus, then through to McLaren, where he became a world champion. Um, and that's the news with McLaren, that his rivalry with Prost kind of really took off. And they were really bitter rivals. Like, that crossed the line more often than not. And the film goes right through to the end when, when Senna made a move to Williams after Prost retired. And... The start of that of his season, of his first season and last season with um, with with Williams, you could see like it, it wasn't going well from on the track and through the footage you can see that he was struggling as well off the track and so on and then it it brings us to that kind of fateful weekend in Imola um, 
when I suppose Roland Ratzenberger died on the in the qualifying, he was killed in a crash, and then the, um, Senna himself died on lap seven, actually in the in the Grand Prix itself. But um, and what kind of adds a touch another layer to it is at at the time when Senna passed away, he was fighting for for better safety in Formula One, and um, you know, kind of he was really kind of campaigning for the drivers. But he's just an incredible sportsman. He's will to win and his drive. It's just what drew me to him from the very start because he let no one stand in his way. You know, he was bullish on the track. He was aggressive. Um, he was off the track. He was he's charismatic. Kind of, he lived a he lived a life. But he's just an incredible sportsman, and it's just an absolutely brilliant film. And for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, I'd recommend it. Um, you, you you can watch it online. It's just one of the best films I've ever seen because it, it's not your usual like they don't have these talking heads where it's kind of former former teammates and former drivers are kind of kind of giving their ver- their verdict on him it's just knitted together by all this unseen footage of Senna so you get a real true appreciation for who he is and his talent and what drove him to do what he does and um, just an incredible film Jack so that it's my number one without a doubt um, look, obviously, you, you you broke the rules by choosing a sports documentary, despite the conversation we had offline. But look, I'm obviously not going to ar- I'm not going to argue the point with you that Senna is an absolute piece of it's a piece of art, really, directed by Asif Kapadia. And just you mentioned the, the kind of archive footage that they use. I actually watched Senna recently enough. I, I'd say I watch it maybe once a year because it just when, when if it pops up on television or for every reason, I'd never turn it off. But the parts of the movie that I think are so insightful are like the drivers' meetings before a race mm-hmm. where the track is wet, and you can see how the sport—I don't know if it still operates like that. There's a new Formula One documentary on Netflix at the minute. Maybe I'll have a look and t- compare. But the way the drivers' meetings are, and I can't think of the name of like the head of the FIA. He's this big, fat, boorish kind of character, and he yeah. is very much—it's like it's my way or the highway. But he keeps changing and flip-flopping. And Senna is clearly the his fellow drivers he's a leader amongst the drivers because he's always fighting on their behalf and so those scenes the two of them were at loggerheads the two of them were at loggerheads totally, all the time yeah. you know because kind of, like I said when, when, when Sina did die that weekend um, even before that he was fighting campaigning for better for better safety for Formula 1 drivers and and it's just so sad the way it, it ended up as, as it did but he was just like I said he that man was a leader. Like he was only 34 when he died, and you can just imagine what he could have got on to achieve. I think it was three Formula One titles that he won, and he could have won more if not for like at the time, Milan Prost was obviously top class as well. But he's just an incredible sports person, and even how how the film finishes um, with his funeral in Brazil, and it's very poignant and it's very touching and it's very sad um, because Prost is down there as well at at at, at the funeral. So. Um, no, I'd watch that over and over again. It's an absolutely brilliant one. So, um, but uh, I don't think you can follow this, Jack. I'd be quite honest. It's going to put a bit of pressure on your number one choice now. Uh, not really, because at least the film I chose uh, fell within the criteria that we had set out initially. But I just wanted to mention Asif Kapadia, the man who directed Senna. His most recent sports documentary, which came out last year, was a similar portrayal of the life and times of Diego Maradona. I would argue is just as good if not better because as a soccer fan more so than a Formula 1 fan this Diego Maradona film it was something else and like for someone who didn't who wasn't alive during Maradona's pomp as a footballer and I've mainly only seen his kind of antics off the field at World Cups etc so to be able to see 
Maradona's life through the eyes of the man who directed Senna is a uh, it's something else so if you haven't seen it or it's only came out last year so you might not have seen it yet it's probably going to be on Netflix or one of the streaming it's, services if, if people are listening to this podcast before Saturday night it's actually on Channel 4 on Saturday night at 9pm Jack it's it's television premiere so it's on this Saturday night at 9 o'clock on Channel 4 for anyone who wants to watch the, the Maradona documentary and like I said it's quite brilliant so if you're listening to this podcast on Friday or Saturday, Channel 4, Saturday night, 9 o'clock, it's television premiere, so tune in for that. Well worth it. Brilliant film. And just while we're on the topic of documentaries then, since we probably won't get around to, to doing any more of them, I suppose some to mention, because if we were doing documentaries, which Kieran has decided we are, I probably would have added one or two into my list, but just to mention a few, Icarus, the one about doping, Hoop Dreams, it's a telling of follows the life of three young basketball players as they try to make their way into the college scene Dogtown and Sea Boys is one about uh, skating culture in LA during the 70s and 80s and of course the, probably the best sports documentary ever made When We Were Kings which basically tells the story of the 70s heavyweight boxing era is there any other documentary that you just want to throw in there before I give my number one I'm sure everyone's dying to hear what it is <coughs> Um, no, I was actually going to be Maradona. We've kind of discussed it already because it is, like you said, it's up there with Cine. I, I just prefer Cine because I'm more of a Cine fan. I just kind of, from going back years and stuff, I was just drawn towards him. But the Maradona one, it's brilliant. So anyone to watch it tomorrow on Saturday night, watch Maradona because it's quite brilliant. And it's it's the same style as Cine. The footage is unbelievable. Oh, you know, the some footage of the, in Maradona is uh, insane. Like that man was a legend, like an absolute legend in Argentina. And the kind of adulation and uh, adoration that they have for her is phenomenal. Kind of, I actually think it's quite different at the moment now. He's he's managing in Argentina and um, he's he's involved. I'm not sure what the name of the club he's involved with, um, but he's not with, with, with Baca. He's not the same sort of in the same esteem and so on. He's having a bit of um, himself and Riquelme have um one Roman or Kelby that I think just a bit of a bit of aggro there and stuff but Maradona check it out on Saturday night nine o'clock channel four. Yeah absolutely it's an absolute that's brilliant. I, I, I loved it so much. I remember I was almost crying at parts because it was so beautifully made. But anyway, my number one in my personal list of the top three greatest sports movies of all time. To me it's an absolute no brainer in terms of how it's endured over the years and the the love it in which it's gotten in popular culture you know in sports culture people actually still copy the move that he popularized in this film i've seen videos of porter carrington doing it i've seen videos of tiger woods trying his hand at it and it is of course the 1996 comedy happy gilmore starring comedy legend adam sandler and for those of you who don't know what this film is all about i'll just give a quick synopsis sandler plays the titular character happy who's a failed ice hockey player who discovers He's perfect for golf since he can drive the ball a long way. It's a pretty simple premise. And the film basically follows Happy Gilmore, who is a working class Massachusetts Massachusetts native who joins the, I suppose, elitist golf tour in the United States. Obviously, it's not sanctioned by the PGA, but it's fairly obvious who they're poking fun at. And it is the players on the PGA, the administrators in the PGA and just to, to give some context to why I love this movie so much when it came out in 1996 I suppose I was 6 or 7 years old so I wouldn't have seen it until a few years later but I remember I got it on 
VHS video when I was about 10 years old, whether for a birthday or for whatever reason, I got this. And then when I was in college, me and my friends bought it on DVD and we used to watch it the whole time in our college house. And now it's on Netflix and I literally watch it once or twice a year. It never gets old for me. Some of the scenes in it, I, I was watching them this morning because I knew we were coming on and I wanted to have some kind of a reason why I loved it so much. I was actually crying laughing like the the, the opening sequence. I just, <laughs> I just talk us through it here basically happy as i said he's a failed ice hockey player and he's trying out for uh, an unnamed professional ice hockey team in the boston region so let's assume it's the boston bruins but the boss the, the coach of the hockey team obviously doesn't pick happy because he can barely skate he's one of the worst ice hockey players you're ever likely to see but then gilmore adam sander beats up the hockey coach and in that take kind of a Boston accent you think you're better than me <laughs> and this is like the first 30 seconds of the film then he goes home He's crying into his crying to his girlfriend. She breaks up with him. Terry, wait! Wait! Hold on a second, babe. Yeah. You're not going for for good, are you, honey? You're going nowhere, Happy, and you're taking me with you. All you ever talk about is being a pro hockey player, but there's a problem. You're not any good. I am good. You know what? You're a lousy kindergarten teacher. I've seen those finger paintings you bring home and they suck! I'm sorry, babe. I didn't mean that. I, I, I think they're excellent finger painting. Please, don't go. I am not spending the rest of my life with a loser. I'm gone. Good, then get the hell out of my life. Who needs you? Beat it. Leave me alone. I'm sorry, babe. I didn't mean that either. I, I just yell sometimes because I get so scared. Scared of being a nobody. And he just can't hold his anger. And after 30 seconds of the movie, you know... This is going to be a righteous comedy. It's 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 low brow. It's not uh, it's not as we say. It's no raging bull, shall we say, in terms of filmmaking. But it's enduring. It's classic. It's hilarious. And Adam Sandler is a legend. Is as big a legend today as he was then. So uh, yeah, Happy Gilmore. I'll never tire of watching it. All I'll say when it comes to Adam Sandler is um, Fifty First Dates, The Wedding Singer, Grown Ups, Billy Madison. He's, um, uh, Are you listing them out as negatives or positive? Because Billy Madison just <laughs> became just before Happy Gilmore, and that's even lower brow. But there are some funny moments. Uh, it was a minor box office success. You cannot say The Wedding Singer is a bad film. The Wedding Singer is one of the uh, best comedies of that era. I listened to that clip when he comes singing the song at the end uh, to his girlfriend on the plane. I might even sing a little bit now. No, I just I, I might add in a clip here. But uh, the wedding scene was an absolute classic. Um, he just made a recent news. He's an acquired taste. An acquired... I have to admit, Adam Sanders had acquired taste to, I suppose I've never warmed to kind of, I'll be quite honest, kind of, but I have to make an admission. I was just I was just checking out sports movies at home, going, to, going down to Sky. I saw someone at home has Happy Gilmore ready to watch. It's been downloaded and ready to watch, so... I'm trying to find the culprit at home. No one has admitted to it, but Happy Gilmore is sitting there in our in our bank of movies at home. So I might try. I haven't watched it now in a while, to be honest, Jack. Kind of, um, it's just Adam Sandler. I can't warm. I can't warm to him. There's, um, I suppose he. That's your that's your problem. Uh, you can't warm to him. Um, it's not Adam Sanders. It's not mine. And the fact that you say he's an acquired taste would make me question whether or not you know what 
the term acquired taste actually means because would acquired taste not be something for someone who's kind of more niche that uh, only certain people want it whereas Adam Sandler is probably the highest grossing comedy actor of all time so uh, I'm questioning your grasp of the English language I understand that you are a newspaper editor but uh, an acquired taste I would not call Adam Sandler but just one thing that relates to the movies we talked about earlier on Adam Sandler's co-star in Happy Gilmore is of course the great Carol Weathers who plays Chubbs Peterson Carol Weathers mm-hmm. also played Apollo Creed in the Rocky series and uh, funnily enough he dies <laughs> in both he dies in Rocky 4 and he dies in Happy Gilmore spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movies despite the fact they were released almost 30 years ago but yeah I just want to give a shout out as well as if they're going to be listening to this but some of the, the cameos in Happy Gilmore are just hilarious Kevin Nealon who's the eccentric professional golf player who plays at Happy in his first tournament then there's Richard Keel as Mr. Larson who's this oversized supporter of uh, Happy Gilmore Joe Flaherty is Donald the crazed fan who just follows Happy around the golf course shouting jackass <laughs> Bob Barker the former US television host stars as himself and him and Happy get into one of the all time great sports brawls in film and then before I get on to Shooter McGavin who's arguably the best character in the film Ben Stiller has a hilarious cameo as a a sadistic orderly running the nursing home that Happy's grandmother gets sent to and he just has a classic line when Happy's grandmother says to Ben Stiller Sir, um, could I trouble you for a glass of warm milk? It helps put me to sleep You could trouble me for a warm glass of Shut the hell up Now you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep Check out the name tag You're in my world now, Grandma Oh dear so childish but like every time Ben Stiller delivers it with the same zeal and hilarity and of course Shooter McGavin possibly the greatest villain in the history of sports movies he's Happy's nemesis throughout and yeah Happy Gilmore I couldn't say enough good about it no good call good call Jack good call what do you saw your verdict on The Waterboy so yeah The Waterboy questionable depiction of someone with learning difficulties I would say in a today's world I don't think that would get past the, the the legal side of it but at the time when I saw that movie when I was 10 or 12 years old I thought it was absolutely hilarious his latest foray into the sports movie genre was his starring turn in Uncut Gems this year which is a basketball slash gambling movie so that one's worth to watch for anyone who still doubts whether or not Adam Sandler can act thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast we'll be back at the same time or we'll be back on Tuesday the same time we usually record that so if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on iTunes Spotify YouTube Acast Stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show I'll get your medicine when your tummy aches build you a fire if the furnace breaks so it could be so nice growing old with you I'll miss you, kiss you, give you my coat when you are cold. Need you, need you, even let you hold the remote control. What the hell's that fruit doing here?